0: sports radio 104.3 the fan every saturday morning it's terry wickstrom outdoors terry takes you inside the outdoors you know hunting fishing camping it's terry wickstrom outdoors now here's terry good morning from our palatial studios in fort collins we're back in colorado today and uh, I think everybody would agree that fall is finally really here we're getting more seasonal weather you know we had a we had a warm spell and we had a couple cold days and we have some warm but we'll see more and more of these very cool nights and the days won't get quite as warm but they're going to be very nice this is a great time of the year here and it's a great time to be outside and we have a lot to talk about Later on in the show, we're going to talk a lot of fall fishing. It is on fire right now. Maybe touch on a little of the hunting that's going on. There's so much hunting. There's waterfall hunting. Upland game hunting is starting. Big game is right in the middle. So, you know, you can almost pick what you want to do here. Something else we're going to, uh, we're going to do too is we're going to start talking more and more about Christmas gift ideas. Cause with all the supply chain issues that are out there, every week, from now on, we're going to try to have at least one segment where we talk about maybe you can get that Christmas gift a little early and not have to worry about it being in stock or pick out something more special. So we're going to try to try to help you with that. Halloween's coming next week. The um, Cherry Creek Reservoir today at 2 o'clock is having their Trunk and Treat, and that's where the kids go out there, and you there'll be volunteer groups set up with trunks that are all decorated full of candy. Really nice, safe way to get back to maybe some more normal Halloween activities. Check their website, but I believe it's 2 o'clock today at Cherry Creek. And then we're going to announce another one that will be next week, later in the show, at another park. But right now, let's go to the phones. And joining us from one of our long-term partners, a place where I've been fortunate to spend quite a bit of time and get to know the people, and I'm a member there, And we're joined by Nate Freeman from the Trigger Time Gun Club. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? You know, I'm doing well. Uh, It's a little cloudy right now. It's cool, but it's supposed to warm up close to 70 here in Fort Collins. Mid-60s are seasonal, and there's just so much to do. Of course, at Trigger Time, you guys never worry too much about the weather, do you?
1: No, we always left on people... You know, we have air conditioning when it's hot out. We've got heaters when it's cold out, so we're pretty set for year-round here.
0: We're going to talk about, I mentioned some Christmas gifts, but before we get to that, why don't you describe Trigger Time Gun Club to the people and tell them where it's located.
1: Sure. So we're at 3575 Stagecoach Road in Longmont, Colorado. Uh, Trigger Time Gun Club, LLC, is a private shooting range facility but we also have a retail area that is all open to the public so we uh, we have our indoor private shooting range we have a nice gun shop where we'll sell all sorts of different firearms and accessories and and uh, a bunch of other things every which way in between and uh, it's just a great setup we we've developed a really nice community over the last nearly 12 years in business where we have a little bit of that uh, that coffee shop mentality everybody likes to come hang out here and and we get to uh, enjoy the range together as well so it's a great shop
0: And quite a range. You have two indoor ranges, a 25-yard handgun range, and then a 100-yard indoor rifle range. That's really unique, isn't it? It's very cool.
1: Yeah, so we've got 11 lanes on our pistol side that go out to 25 yards. And then on the other side of our building, we have the, like you said, the fully contained 100-yard indoor deck. Now, what's cool with that, we have seven lanes that go out to 100 yards. So that's all seated shooting from a bench position. Um, So it's perfect for practicing with your rimfire, your twenty twos. It's great for doing uh, hand-loading development. It's also great for getting a true 100-yard zero on your hunting or your precision-type rifle. One of the coolest things to mention about our rifle deck, though, is we just finished our first huge huge renovation. We actually completely have replaced the trap system recently. So it's upgraded. It's running great. Uh, It's actually even quieter and significantly cleaner than it was before as well. So for a long-term rifle range indoors, it's just one of the nicest setups you could buy.
0: And the best way to find you, and we'll give this again, is just go to Mm TriggerTimeGunClub.com. And, and you you know, if you want to become a member, I love being a member because no matter uh, with my schedule gets so busy, let's say that next Wednesday I wanted to get some practice time in, I can go on as a member and reserve that lane. I know it's there. It's not gonna matter what the weather is, that lane's gonna be there waiting for me. So membership has its uh has its privileges. I wanna get on to some gift ideas, but before we sure. do that, are you guys getting hit by some of these supply chain shortages? Are you having trouble with firearms, ammo, anything in particular?
1: Well, we certainly have been the last year and a half even coming up to two years now, has just been a a bit of a roller coaster for everybody that we know, including our shop. So, you know, uh, we've seen various supply issues throughout this whole time period. Um, We're currently seeing where firearms are becoming actually a little easier to get. We're pretty well stocked. Uh, Our shelves are full and we have some back stock. So on the firearm side of things, it's looking much brighter. Um, The ammunition side of things, we're seeing evidence of that situation getting better as far as supplies coming back, Uh, even some pricing becoming a little more normal, but still nowhere near it was uh you know back in 2019 or so but it's definitely getting better um but yeah we're we're definitely uh encouraging people to try to plan ahead as as much as you can if you're trying to do a little holiday shopping um, and we have a couple ideas on on how to work around
0: that as best as we can too so All right. Well, one of the things, let's talk about some of the gift ideas. You know, buying a firearm itself for somebody else is a little difficult because of the laws, because you can't do what's called a straw man purchase. So um, you might be able to get a gift certificate or have them come with you to pick it out. But there's a lot of things at Trigger Time that you can come and get. And one of the things you guys are getting really well known for that is your selection of knives. Tell us Uh, about that.
1: It really is. Yeah, that's been a really fun market. It's something that we all dabbled in over the years just because as uh, various uh, adventurers and outdoors people, we we love carrying a a pocket knife or or sometimes even two, depending on what you're up there and what you're doing. So we started carrying Benchmade many years ago, but now we've uh, really developed into carrying quite a few other brands, even to where some of those brands have been our, our number one referral for getting new customers lately. So it's been really great. We carry uh, other brands like Microtech, Protech, Hinderer, uh, Medford. Those are all really, really fine quality U.S. made blades and of a huge variety, all sorts of different styles, depending on what your needs are. So,
0: well, What are some of the types of knives you, you carry throughout those brands?
1: Well, um overall one of the most popular style would be your your folding pocket knife you know the kind that you could clip in your pocket and easily carry around with you a lot of them are are fully ambidextrous so they're very easy to use left or right handed which is awesome um, we have a huge market now that we never imagined uh for uh, switch blades that's actually something that uh, in the state of Colorado they changed rules on those so they are you, you know legal to sell legal to own legal to carry of course you have to follow the state guidelines as far as blade length and things like that but um those are really really fun those are probably two of the most popular styles would be the folding style and then the uh the automatic style knives and we even carry a a few different fixed blades here and there as well so
0: and a lot of these brands of knives you carry aren't even available at other places are they
1: no, what we try to do because we're a small shop, you know, we try to be the friendly store that's knowledgeable and along with that uh, in carrying our knives, we we carry brands that are a little bit more niche if you will. So, you're not necessarily going to see the same exact products that we sell at the bigger stores. It allows us to be competitive and and uh and sell a unique product at our little shop here and it does very well for everybody and and our customers enjoy it, too because they get cool stuff. So.
0: Well, it sounds like a great Christmas gift idea because Now you can get maybe that personalized knife or that one that's kind of special for the unique that maybe the person you're buying for, you know, they'll kind of like that and they'll they'll recognize the high-end brand and know that you spent some time and you guys can really help with that in the shop. You talked about the coffee shop type atmosphere. It really is. When I come, I spend as much time in the retail area visiting with you guys as I do on the range.
1: Sure. That's a really common theme at our shop, too, and we encourage that. We love people to come hang out and say hi and visit with us because we, we're here all day, too, so it's just as fun for us to be able to see our friends and our, our acquaintances through the store as well, so we, it's a pretty common thing. We've even had plenty of customers show up and not even decide to shoot that day. They just want to hang out and be there and be part of the uh, part of the nice group.
0: So. And you don't have to be a member to stop by because the retail is open to the public. Let's move on to maybe some accessories. We talked about it's difficult to buy a firearm for somebody else. So you are well stocked if somebody wants to come in with somebody mm-hmm. and you can't mm-hmm. get gift certificates. But what are some other maybe firearms related items I might look at for Christmas gifts?
1: Uh, well, there's always the uh, huge wall of accessories for you know various parts and things, and a lot of us like to customize our buttons and switches and all that stuff that you might change on on a rifle. So, that's really fun. Um We have a a pretty nice selection of different optics, Um, so lots of people are into buying various scopes, or maybe it's going to be some sort of holographic red dot sight. uh, Things like that are super popular, so those are all fun things to shop for that a lot of people are looking for as well uh, as far as a gift idea. Um, One of the coolest new brands we got to carry this past year is called Fixistix. They're a very, very high-quality small tool set that's portable that you can keep in your shooting bag or your hiking backpack or whatever you're into but they make different styles to where you can calibrate and tighten down scope mounts in the field if you need to or if you're you know like me and you like to mess with your your pocket knives disassembling them and everything it's a basically a very nice quality precision toolkit so fix-a-sticks are one thing we love and we sell those now that's really cool and it's not something you see everywhere
0: Well, and then, and just sometimes if you've got a a new shooter or even an experienced shooter, um, they always need cleaning supplies and maintenance supplies, don't they?
1: They do, yeah. So we do carry a, off in our little southwest corner of the shop. There we'll have cl- various cleaning supplies and uh, solvents and lubricants. and It's just kind of the nice regular tool stu- set stuff that most of us need uh, to keep basic maintenance and cleanliness with our firearms. Um, and being, a, you know, you brought up a good point, Terry, with uh, newer shooters and people newer to our sport. One thing that I wanted to bring up today was the, the idea of private lessons. There's a, It's a rare moment that you'd come into our shop where one of us wouldn't recommend that, whether you have been shooting for 30 years or maybe you're brand new to it all we love encouraging people to take a one-on-one lesson because of the amount of the amount of effective time you spend with an instructor you can learn a ton of things really within one or two hours of lessons and it's something we love offering we have a couple of fantastic instructors here we have a lady and a guy and they're both wonderful people but they're they're really really great teachers as well and that's a one thing we love encouraging is the idea of creating a nice foundation of safety and a nice foundation of technique. And then as you delve into the different brands of firearms, you're basically set to go
0: forward. So, And the last thing I want to bring up, folks, if you do go in, Talk a little fly fishing with Nate. He's getting hooked on it. He's going to be a total enthusiast here pretty soon. Is that right, Nate? <laughs> that's right. I got a bunch of practice the other day. It was pretty
1: excellent, and I really, uh, really enjoy it. Just it, it's you know it's another one of those rabbit holes we can jump into as far as uh, technique and practice of learning a new skill, and then you can get into the gear, and that's a whole different talk, isn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah, it really is. In fact, you know, he'll love to talk that with you. Tell people again how they find you and where you're located and your website and things like that.
1: Sure. Trigger Time Gun Club in Longmont, Colorado. Our phone number is three zero three six five one zero eight one six, And you can find us online at www.triggertimegunclub.com.
0: All right, my friend, I will see you again soon because I need to get in and do some practice. And you know how that always goes. Karen comes with me, and then I think I need more practice because she shoots better than me. So we will be in soon. We will be in soon. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, Terry. Sure appreciate you, man. Have a great day. You bet. Nate Freeman from Trigger Time Gun Club. and bye, that location is right off I-25. If you get off at the 240 exit on I-25, which is Highway 119, you just go down to what I think is the second stoplight. It's not the one where the gas stations are. It's just a couple blocks down where I think it's a fire station. It used to be a bank. You take a left, and then you go a couple blocks and take another left, and they're right there, and it's a beautiful facility. You know, go there, become a member and practice. You might see me shooting in the lane right next to you. Hey, we're going to take a timeout. out. When we come back, we're going to go to state parks, and we're going to talk about something unique. You know, we all know about the management of big game and other types of things. But now we're gonna talk about um, maybe management of other species, but they still provide a lot of entertainment and pleasure for people. Right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, on 104.3 The, the Fan, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. <laughs> Jack's has locations up and down the front range. If you're an outdoor enthusiast, you've never been in one of their outdoor stores, they have both outdoor stores, ranch, farm and ranch stores, and combined stores. If you've never been in one, uh, you're going to be pleasantly surprised at what they will have to outfit you for whatever outdoor activities you enjoy. Let's go to the phones, and joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is uh, avian researcher Brett Walker. Good morning, Brett. Good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing well. Fall is definitely in the air. And, you know, fall is a great time to do wildlife watching in Colorado because everything's changing. They become more active. Some birds are migratory. Some stay. Some animals are feeding for winter. It's just always a wonderful time. And wildlife watching is a huge, huge part of the Colorado culture. In fact, it's in revenue producing. It's right up there with – hunting and fishing. But I think a lot of people, you know, they think of parks and wildlife. They think of you guys as managing the game animals, but you have a lot of other activities and initiatives besides that, don't you? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Uh, Yeah, There's a number of species in our state wildlife action plan, non-game
0: species that we're really interested in uh, conserving and managing as well. And I think uh, we're going to talk about one here in a minute, but when you talk about Um, unique species and species that that we have such unique terrain. We have our prairies. We have our flatlands. We go up to our mountains. We have the valleys in between. And some species really are unique to some habitat. And we have a number of spectacular species in our alpine regions, don't we?
2: Absolutely. Um, We have some real habitat specialists that uh, folks are interested in. Uh, We have uh, uh, we have bighorn sheep, mountain goats, uh, white-tailed
0: ptarmigan. And, you know, and one of, I think, one of the probably most common wildlife watching activities, and sometimes we don't always think of it that way, is bird watching. And we have just tremendous species of birds in Colorado, right?
2: We have such diversity of terrain that uh, we have some of the highest bird counts in in the country.
0: What are some of the? I know we're going to talk about a specific species, but what are a few of the more common species that people really enjoy watching in Colorado?
2: The some of the migratory songbirds have have some of the most spectacular plumages and some of the most spectacular songs. Uh, And there's numerous species of of birds that migrate through. We have shorebirds, uh, we have gulls, we have songbirds it's, it's really a, uh, there's lots of places to go bird watching, uh, in Colorado and such, you know, incredible
0: terrain, diverse terrain that we have, we can have lots of opportunities. Now, one bird particular we're going to talk about today, and that's, um, it's a, a sparrow and uh, people are familiar with sparrows. I see them in my yard, but there's different types of sparrows that use different habitat. Is that right? Yeah,
2: we have some, some birds that are very much habitat specialists. So they're, they're tied to specific types of habitat only. Um, and that's, and so you have to know exactly
0: where to go, uh, to find these species. Now you're doing a research project. Tell us about this project, why it's taking place and a little bit in depth explanation.
2: Yeah, um the work uh we've done this past summer. This is a a fairly short project. It's it's a, you know, basically a one-year thing at this point. Um we're looking at the the Brewer's sparrow, which is a small migratory songbird. It's it's fairly nondescript. It's, you know, it's a typical brown streaky sparrow or what the birders would call a little brown job. Um, and it's known more for its, its song than, than for its looks. It gives some spectacular, some of the most complex songs of, of any North American sparrow. Um, it is, in Colorado, it's only known to breed in sagebrush. So it's, it's one of those habitat specialists along with a couple other species like sage thrashers, sagebrush sparrows, and even the uh, greater sage grouse.
0: Now there's a s- subspecies called the alpine brewer sparrow. Is that what we're looking at now? Uh the there is another subspecies.
2: It's called the timberline brewer sparrow, but okay. that sparrow is only that that subspecies is only known uh, to occur in treeline shrub habitats in the Canadian Rockies. So it's only known to breed from Alaska
0: down through northwestern Montana. Now, are you with this study, are you just studying the sage birds, or are you looking to see if we have the alpine birds here too? And if we do, where would they have come from?
2: Yeah, so since the early 1900s, there have been uh, scattered reports of brewer sparrows being found up in Willow. And crumholtz habitats near treeline uh, in the Colorado high country. I mean, we, you know, this is uh, anywhere from 11 to 13,000 feet, um, including some pretty well-known locations in Colorado: Mount Evans, uh, Guanella Pass, a- and the Flat Tops Wilderness. But because Brewer sparrows are considered a sagebrush obligate, um, there's a lot of been a lot of questions and a lot of speculation over the past 30 or 40 years about which subspecies these birds are could they be unknown populations of the timberline brewer sparrow uh, or are they just sagebrush uh, brewer sparrows that are doing weird things by by moving up into uh, shrub habitats at high
0: elevation and do we have any indication yet or and then you're going to be publishing some information and videos is that right yeah
2: so um, uh, we produced a video uh that talks about this research we're right in the middle of the research um the uh project right now so we've collected data um we compiled all the historical records and we and what we found is that there's a lot more locations in alpine areas uh than we originally thought um we then visited almost i think it was 37 of those locations uh this past summer uh in both sagebrush and alpine areas And we found these birds at at 12 different uh, uh, alpine locations. So we collected uh, information. uh, We recorded those birds songs. We captured birds uh, to collect uh, morphological data, so measurements of their body size, uh, as well as genetic samples. And then we we banned these birds and we
0: let them go. And so when will you probably have some conclusive information? Will that be next year sometime? Yeah, next spring. Right now we're in the middle of
2: analyzing all the acoustic
0: data, the morphological data,
2: and probably most importantly, the genetic data. Um, That's what's going to tell us which subspecies uh, these birds are. But either Uh, way, the interesting part is that when you find... Uh, a, a bird that is normally thought to only breed in sagebrush, it appears that we actually have a fairly widespread but really poorly known population of birds in these alpine areas in Colorado as well. So it changes uh, our assessments of their conservation
0: status um, and some of our our priorities for for monitoring. Well, you know, a lot of people don't realize a lot of this work. Now, if you're not a bird watcher or an animal watcher, people might be saying, why are we talking about sparrows? But when you manage all the non-game species, what you find can have dramatic effects on habitat management for game species, because especially migratory birds, they're controlled, there's federal regulations. It can really, it really can enhance your ability to manage if you have good information, doesn't it?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, in, in cases where there um, are certain uh, things happening in the high country, a lot of that is you know tends to be recreation pressure, um, especially in Colorado. Those things are of interest when we want we want to know exactly what species we have out there. I think the the most kind of fun thing about this is that in an era when we've you know been here for hundreds of years and we're still making new discoveries. Um, all the time of, of what we
0: have here in Colorado. Now, last thing, if people want some information, you said the best way to recognize these birds is by their song. You do have some information on the website, is that right? Uh, yeah, um, we have uh, a
2: post uh, blog post on Colorado Outdoors Online uh, that links to that video and, and describes the research more in depth. So we're anticipating some results in spring of 2022, but we wanted to make folks aware uh, that this project was going on. And and if indeed we find that these are basically undiscovered populations of this otherwise Canadian uh, subspecies, um, then we're definitely going to be needing some help from citizen scientists and birders, folks who are out in the high country uh, in June and future years to to help identify the distribution of these, of these birds. So, um, Give one of the again. best ways to identify, Oh, sorry, Terry. go, no, go One ahead. of the best Finish ways up. to identify the song, um, is there are a number of different birding apps that you can get, um, or sources online like, uh, Cornell university and all about Um, those, those have lots of different examples of these birds, uh, really spectacular songs.
0: All right. Well, we are out of time, but keep us posted. If you end up needing volunteers, we'll put the call out for you. All this is interesting because it all intertwines. Thank you, Brett. Thank you so much, Terry. appreciate it. You bet. Brett Walker from Parks and Wildlife. We're going to take a time out. We're going to come back. We're going to take you to another state park, get caught up on what's going on with the fishing and the boating, and also a Halloween event they're going to have that you can take your kids to right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors presented by... Jack's Outdoor Gear on 1043 The Fan. Little Bob Seeker there. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 1043 The Fan. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from the 11 mile slash Spinney Reservoir area for parks is Darcy Mount. Good, Good morning, Darcy.
3: Good morning, Terry. How are
0: you today? You know, I'm doing great, and I made a comment at the beginning of the show today that you can really tell that fall is here. But I bet no place more in the state can you tell than right where you are. I bet you're really seeing fall set in.
3: Oh, yeah. The colors are gorgeous, of course, but we're getting some uh, pretty cool weather, especially overnight. We're in the 20s. Um, Water temperatures are in the 40s. So, yeah, it definitely feels like fall. We love it. Oh, it's it's a great time of the year. There's so much going on. Now, we're
0: going to talk about a Halloween event that you're going to have next weekend. As long as we have you on the phone, why don't you bring us up to speed on both Spinney and 11 Mile? What conditions are and closures or anything like that?
3: Okay. Spinney um, is closed for boating just due to low water. You can't get boats on the ramp, but it's still open for anything you can hand launch and shoreline. Uh, It will close for the season on November 15th and it will close to any kind of boating on October 31st and then boating for 11 mile also October 31st um, the ramps will close on the 31st.
0: And in the meantime, uh, Nate Zelensky is going to come on uh, pretty soon and talk, and so is Austin Parr. I'm hearing they're catching a lot of really nice big fish at both spinny and 11 miles. So this fall fishing can be just phenomenal out there. Do you have winter camping available all year?
3: We do have some winter camping. We, closed, we have 326 campsites, so we close down... Probably 95% of our campgrounds, but there's still some on the north and south side for over the winter. They get a lot of use, especially during hunting season. Um, there's a lot of big game in the area, not necessarily on the park, but um, surrounding the park. And then, obviously, waterfowl hunters. So, uh, we're still pretty pretty good on the weekend hunting or camping. And, you know, um,
0: I, I hate to bring it up too early, but I'm going to start you can have tremendous ice fishing at 11 mile. And they actually heavily stock that lake, even through the ice as we're getting into fall, don't they?
3: Yeah, actually, we don't um, stock Spinny or 11 mile in the summer months at all. It's all in the winter. And between the two, um, we're looking at a a couple hundred thousand um, extra big. We don't just do the small because of the pike. So the trout come in, uh, catchable size. And it's under the ice, which is Awesome. Um, I know there's a video on the CPW YouTube, but, um, the clarity at 11 mile is so clear. You can actually see the fish under the ice, um, going and we usually get anywhere from, you know, 32 to 36 plus inches of ice uh, over the winter. So it's amazing. Do you know when those stockings will start? Uh, it all depends on the hatchery. Um, we use the hatchery at um, Mount Chauvinot. is the one that brings them and what they've got because they have to keep them a little longer to get them a little bigger. And then our ice. Um, but usually um, we do it, we dot it throughout the winter starting about January.
0: Okay. So, yeah, I mean, the fishing just gets better and better there as the winter goes on. <clears throat> but you have a great event. This is, you know, an, a new event for you for Halloween. You know, I, I love the parks. Several parks are actually doing different types of events. And because of the park setting, we're allowed, you know, people are more comfortable being out. We're seeing maybe ways to get people back to more normal celebrations and enjoying life. I hope that's what all these things do. Tell us about this is your first try at it. Tell us about what you're planning next weekend.
3: Yeah, it is our first time. So we're, we're hoping for a good turnout. Um, it's called the Campground Crawl. It's gonna be in one of our closed campground loops just behind the visitor center. And it's basically sort of an educational winter fun carnival for kids each. There's a bunch of different booths. We've got um, a trivia wheel and ring toss and ball toss and uh, matching a skin to a skull. Um, A lot of of the trivia questions or all of them are uh, animal or wildlife or um, local history, everything. educational, environmental, educational stuff and uh, prizes along the way. And then the final one is uh, a campfire where you can make your own s'mores. If this, so it's kind if it of goes well, this,
0: Go ahead, Darcy. Uh,
3: if it goes well, um, and we do have interest, local interest, we're going to next year add a haunted trail, um, up in the back country, which will be a lot of fun. Oh, it sounds great. Now the kids will come and,
0: and big kids too, I imagine. And they'll um, they'll go along this trail. You said they're gonna get stuff to make s'mores and prizes. Will there be a few trick-or-treat treats
3: along the way too? Yeah, there's uh, nine stations and at each station, you can play the game trick-or-treat or, treat or uh, whatever. Even, even mom and dads are allowed to play. That sounds great. Now what time and which day is this? It is on the 31st from one o'clock to three o'clock. Um, the, only, the only thing that we hope doesn't get us is the weather, as obviously, especially up there, it's unpredictable, uh, and it is Colorado. Um, so, But it will be all outside, about a half-mile walk through the whole thing and back to your vehicle. Um, so hopefully it goes well, but one to three.
0: And I, I did look out, and of course it could change, and right now the weather is actually looking pretty nice. It's supposed to be a little warmer than seasonal and clear. Now that could change. So you're, you're you're on track to have some really good weather. You know, up there, you should bring a nice jacket and stuff no matter when you go at this time of the year. But I just hope it goes really well because I really appreciate Parks and Wildlife doing these activities because we've come off of two years of people just trying to get their lives back to normal. And I think these kind of events kind of bring us back to like what feels like a more normal Halloween, don't you?
3: I totally agree, and, and we've never done it before. And part of a, a shrine is in a new staff in the last couple of years, including me. We've had a turnover. Um, I'm new to the game as well. and um, So we have new ideas that we want to bring, but also exactly what you just said. Let's uh, celebrate when we can because we don't know when we're not going to be able to. I agree completely. If they want more information, is it on
0: your website or Facebook page?
3: Uh, it's on the website, and, yes, they can call the Visitor Center as well um, if they want more information. And uh, I have a little fun fact for you. Okay. I have a little fun fact for you. Did you know that Spinney Mountain State Park is the geographical center of Colorado? Therefore, everything turns around Spinney.
0: <laughs> That's great. Darcy thank you so much. I hope you get a great turnout for the, the Halloween thing. It just I, I appreciate what Parks is doing. I uh, will talk to you again soon, I'm sure. Thanks Terry. You bet. Darcy Mount. Just great people. Go out there take advantage of this. It's on Halloween. What a great way. You don't want your kids out in the neighborhood trick-or-treating or or you're having parties indoors. It's a great way, and they still get to celebrate. We're going to take a time out. and we come back, Austin Parr is going to join us, and we're going to talk fishing on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. to Terry Woodstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go to the phones and joining us, one of our favorite contributors, he always has his thumb on the fishing activity in Colorado, Austin Parr from Discount Fishing Tackle. Good morning, Austin. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. It's uh, fall is here, my friend, isn't it? Oh, it
4: definitely is right now. It's a little bit chilly out there this morning. It's certainly been dealing with
0: those uh, temperatures where they're freezing cold in the morning and a little bit warmer in the afternoon. Yeah, it's been very seasonal and very nice during the day. But if you're getting out there early, you better have a heavy jacket and be ready. And then during the day, it gets really nice. And actually, last night, it stayed pretty warm late into the evening. But uh, it's here, and that triggers a lot of different types of activities as far as fishing, and hunting and things like that. And I know we're gonna talk about the walleyes and the brown spawning and all that, but before we even get into some of that, I wanna talk about a few species that maybe people need to pay more attention to this time of the year, and that's the lake trout and the kokanee salmon. What are you hearing on those friends? Yeah, so the kokanee's are really starting to get going
4: in a lot of places in Colorado. They've been a little bit behind schedule. You always get that early run of kokanee's up on uh, Blue Mesa and up in the Gunnison River. That area is always in that, that early to mid September, but places like Wolford Mountain Reservoir and the Dream Stream really are just getting going right now. Uh, I've been hearing some good reports upon the Dream. Keep in mind, uh, for folks that don't know, that's all flies and lures only and touch and release up there. So it's purely a sport fish type situation but seeing uh, some decent numbers up there and then at wolford mountain reservoir you're finding fish along the shallows and there's they don't run up the the creek as much there they're more on the main lake area and you can do fantastic with a lot of ice fishing techniques so i'm using slip bobbers and then putting uh, small pink tube jigs like an atomic tube or some stuff from Sierra slammers is really good uh, and then actually, although they're not eating, uh, tipping that with a mealworm a lot of times I feel like makes a big difference. And then at Wolford, you can keep the fish, but there are no snagging opportunities up there. And that same type of an area, you would find the snagging going on at Green Mountain Reservoir. But with some of the gill lice and the lack of stocking over the last number of years, there isn't much of a run there. So in that uh, area, definitely Kremling and, and uh, Wolford is going to be better.
0: You know, the the salmon to me presents such a great sport fishing opportunity, whether conventional or a fly rod. In fact, I have a, a video on my YouTube channel, Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, just fishing in the Gunnison River with fly rods for these salmon. And for people who just want to get out and catch some fish, you talked about the Dream Stream. I remember being in the Dream Stream about knee-deep in water as the salmon were hitting against my wader's going upstream to spawn and when you hook into them on a light uh conventional gear or a fly rod the fight is tremendous and then the way they look when you land them it's an awesome experience
4: yeah they're gorgeous and then this time of year we're right in that nice time when they're not completely beat up yet they're not dying yet so they uh truly are
0: a gorgeous photo opportunity uh, as well as as you mentioned a good fight and good table fare, with without question. Let's switch up a little bit to lake trout. Um, I, you know, we're gonna you're gonna have to check for boat ramps and conditions and skim ice already. As much as I hate to say that, but boy, if you want to go catch lake trout in Colorado fall, can, you can't beat the fall. No, so they lake trout spawn in the fall, and
4: they're moving up shallow this time of year. So when you're throughout the whole summer especially a shore angler can have a bit of a challenge at times to catch those lake trout. But this time of year with these water temperatures cooling, those lakers move up into that under 20 foot of water range and sometimes even right to the shorelines. And you can catch them on a variety of methods. Some of my favorites uh, go back to some vertical jigging uh, with a tube jig. You know, you're casting that out rather than vertical jigging, obviously, but bouncing that back with some sucker meat can be good. But simply throwing a big spoon like a crocodile or an epic daredevil can be worthwhile or even a jerk bait up shallow. And then at places like Granby along some of the dikes, you're not only getting into those lake trout, but you're also seeing some really nice browns on those same techniques. So you might catch a, a big lake trout on one cast and a nice brown on the next. So that is definitely a nice opportunity um, to work that in a variety of places, and even places as close as Gross Reservoir uh, can offer some really good fishing that's not even very far from town.
0: Oh, you're absolutely right. Those are just great opportunities. And another thing about this fishing is uh, it typically goes on through the day. I mean, you might have peaks in the the twilight hours, but a lot of times it's good fishing even when the air temperature warms up and is comfortable. Absolutely. And uh, it's beautiful to be up in the mountains that time of year and you
4: have an opportunity at a truly big fish and then with that being said we talk about it all the time but especially with those fish spawning right now there are some absolutely fantastic ramplica fish artists around if you want to hang a fish on the wall that is really a good way to go and be able to let those big lake trout uh, keep
0: swimming oh and i'll tell you what do you remember folks the, the record lake trout in colorado is 50 pounds think about that 50 pounds how many people in colorado you know Austin, we have lake trout and pike and big walleye. Some of the biggest fish in those categories in the U.S. are right here in Colorado.
4: They are. And I mean, you look at the state records, as you mentioned, on the walleyes especially, and it's bigger than it is in a lot of the Midwest states. And uh, you might not have as many of those big fish, but this is truly the time of year to target them as with those lake trout.
0: And what are you hearing about the walleyes right now?
4: So the walleye front with the full moon this last week was just a little bit challenging. Uh we caught this with Cherry Creek and Chatfield. Chatfield certainly being better, but I'm thinking that as we get past this full moon, the day bite's gonna be a little bit better this next week. Um same type of presentations as we've discussed over the last couple of weeks have been working. Fish have been pretty spread out, so you're really needing to to move around to find those fish or starting to transition into deeper water, especially at Chatfield. And then when you do find them, I'm posting up with my spot anchor and then casting the reactionary baits. So we're still dealing with a lot of shad. I'm not seeing much die-off yet with the water temperature still only in the high 50s. And we're trying to get those fish to react. So rather than in the summertime when you're truly feeding a fish with a leech or a crawler, or a a, a curly tail or something like that, you're trying to get them to react on a a very aggressive, fast-paced presentation. And when we're snapping those jigging wraps or those spoons on slack line or working those blade baits on the bottom – all of which those are, are going to be the, the best bet. But then the one nice thing about going to Chatfield rather than Cherry Creek is the smallmouth have been actually pretty darn cooperative at the moment. Um, along the dam phase they've been chasing a lot of baits, so I've been having good success with uh, small swim baits like a Kytex Swing Impact. But then also uh, small senkos have been very effective, and, and uh, we've been doing well. And you could even just go very simple with some live minnows under a bobber. That's a great way to go. The walleyes are not usually as cooperative with that, but the smallmouth typically will jump on a fathead or a shiner.
0: You know, right now, too, time as we talk about these different fishing opportunities, you have to really start checking and be aware of boat ramp changes because between water levels and lakes closing up and waterfall, uh, really, have you heard too much? I know spinny's close to, to larger boats, but we're starting to hear that. Are you hearing anything about ramp closures? I haven't heard much else besides spinny. Um, a lot of your warm water stuff out northeast
4: is, has definitely uh, begun to close, like Jackson Lake has closed out there. But the one nice thing about some of our metro impoundments is that they'll be consistently open all the way to the end of November here. Um, as far as Chatfield and Cherry Creek and even down to Pueblo, stay open all year long at the boat ramp. So that's uh, an advantage there. But in the mountains, as you mentioned, although I have not heard those things, some of those are a dynamic situation as far as changes, and they may happen without much announcement. So before you drag your boat all the way up there, you may either call a park or, or call a local uh, store or establishment just to make sure that those boat ramps continue to be open before you go and uh, schedule a whole trip.
0: All right, my friend. Great information. As always, tell people how they find you. I'm at Discount Fishing Tackle. We're six blocks
4: south of Evans on the west side of Santa Fe.
0: All right. we'll, we'll talk to you again very soon. Thank you so much, Terry. Have a great day. You bet. Austin Power, Discount Fishing Tackle. Great resource. You know, we have so many great resources on this show. We have Austin, you know, Brad Peterson. Nate is on every week. And Nate, you know, I hope he's not on yet and listening because Nate is truly one of our, our best resources, fishing and hunting. He's truly uh, the ultimate outdoorsman and we love having him part of the show. Just don't any of you tell him I said that. Okay. Now we're going to take a time out before you do. When you listen to some of this fishing we talk about, go to our YouTube channel, the best of fishing with Terry Wickstrom. You know, we, we filmed from the Arctic circle to the equator over the 22 seasons that we, we filmed, but a lot of our shows were done right here in our backyard and the very bodies of water. We talk about using exactly these techniques because about half our shows were within a day's drive of Denver. So, Take advantage of that and take a look and and check it out. Also, follow us on Facebook at Terry Wixom Outdoors. We'll take a quick time out, and we'll have Nate Zielinski talking hunting and fishing on Terry Wixom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.